These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so mm -hmm. they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. Sometimes you need somebody to just give you permission. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. People just want to know that they're, they just want to know that they're safe to talk and share these things. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to the Open Journal Podcast. I hope you're well. I hope things are good for you this fortnight. How have you been? How have you been over the last few weeks? We've had a we had a break uh, a fortnight ago, and then the kind of the previous couple of episodes have been focusing in around the Mental Health Blog Awards, which we had on the 16th of July. Uh, so it's really, it, oh, it was just a really good opportunity to come together and celebrate the amazing stuff that's happening within kind of mental health blogging, vlogging, podcasting and social media. So a really amazing time and uh, on a kind of a short break with that project now um, up until the winter when we start to focus in on what next year is going to look like. So really excited for Mental Health Blog Awards 2023. But for now... We're back into podcast discussions and hearing from people with lived experience and expertise. And I'm delighted to say we have a new guest joining us today. Ashley's going to give us some insight into her lived experience and what's gone into starting up and the work that Humane Startup are now doing around kind of supporting business leaders, the mental health well-being side that, that goes alongside being a a leader within the workplace within business some really interesting conversations and i think some really topical feels like the wrong kind of word for this but i think uh interesting conversations around what we consider leadership to be some of our conversations very much focused on what i would consider like a traditional leader of like your ceos and and, and people like that but I think a, a lot of our conversation is also around recognising we, we can all demonstrate leadership, kind of regardless of our um, job title or our social setting. Um, we can all show leadership in different situations. So a really interesting conversation. A uh, huge thank you to Ashley for coming on and sharing her experience, her insights, her knowledge, her expertise. And I really hope you all enjoy this episode and the conversation that we're going to be sharing. As always, if you'd like to find out more about Ashley, you can find the links in the podcast show notes or at the end of our discussion. And also, if you enjoy this episode, I hope you do, um, please do consider leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help other people discover the podcast and the conversations that we're having here. Thank you so much for continuing to support all of these conversations and the podcast. I hope you're having a great fortnight and I look forward to speaking to you again soon.
me to sit down with you, Ashley, and have an opportunity to have a conversation. How, just how have you been recently? How's your well-being at the moment? Yeah, going well, um, keeping as sane as possible. Um, I've got three children and the eldest of my three just had uh, a major operation that he is healing from quite well, uh, but that's been consuming a lot of the mental energy these days. <laughs> Oh, I'm really pleased. It sounds like things are going well and good to hear that the operation went well as well. I think we've just had some very warm weather in the UK. Uh, um, it feels like, yeah, it's been quite a lot uh, recently. So it's nice to know that you've got things going on. You're kind of keeping well at the moment. I know um, some of the kind of well-being conversations for that, they're very weather focused at the moment. So it's just nice to hear something else. Really. <laughs> I have no time to focus on the weather. And <laughs> Um, so we're obviously coming together today to, to have a little bit of a conversation, to hear a little bit more about some of the things that um, you've been doing project-wise and work-wise, but it'd also be nice just to have kind of an introduction to you for people that maybe haven't heard or followed some of the work that you've been doing. So kind of where where did your journey start? How did you kind of get involved in, in well-being or how did that become part of your thought process? Yeah, so I've, I've always been professionally in the world of work. Um, I started my career in sales at Monster, um, the job board, many moons ago. I won't admit exactly how many moons ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I think I, I stayed in the industry uh, because I just do genuinely love people. Um, and I've always found it incredibly rewarding to help people find and fulfill their, their purpose. And yeah, I think you get to see a lot of the good that can happen in the workforce in that job, but you also get to see um, a lot of the nefarious practices that can creep into particularly large uh, corporate cultures. Um, and I struck out with a group of, of friends um, in 2012 to found our first technology company, and that opened up an entirely new world um, of well-being questions, philosophical questions for me, uh, because you sort of put yourself in this giant pressure cooker environment. So you're now responsible for the well-being of the entire team. Uh, and each one of the co-founding team members was affected in a different way, despite us having, you know, traditional success. We exited the company. Um, in 2014 with great financial results, but we were all a little bit of a mess after that happened. It was sort of a congratulations, you've earned your existential crisis, um, you know, situation. So it really it spurred on a fascination in terms of like what motivates people, um, how do you fulfill and maintain a sense of purpose even when you've achieved your objectives. And from a very practical standpoint, what can I do to better serve anyone who has a job <laughs> um, and, and help them just feel better uh, as they go about achieving their goals? It's really interesting because I think it feels like, I mean, I'm sure people were creating new companies and being entrepreneurs and, and starting new companies before. Of course they were. But it feels like that's possibly happening a lot more now, kind of pre-pandemic I'm not sure if it's it was the same as it is now it feels like there are a lot more people that have had the last few years of kind of re-evaluating 
what they want to spend their time doing, how they're investing kind of their time and energy and knowledge. Um, is that a field that you kind of feel like has changed quite a lot in the last few years? Absolutely. I think, you know, we've in the world of work, we've termed it the great resignation, but it's a it's a very real thing. I, I think to your to your point exactly, people had time to take a step back and reevaluate their personal values and whether or not their career decisions were aligned with those values or whether or not they were potentially a source of, of internal conflict for them and maybe driving some of the negative symptoms that can, can come along with you know, being imbalanced. Um, and I think also you pair that with there being a social impact shift in the world mm. of business as well. I think for it's a very exciting time to be starting a business because there's a lot more transparency and I think accountability from the general public in terms of ethical business practices. B corporations are making a, a huge splash and their numbers are, are growing uh, sizably. And I think people, entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs have a real feeling that they can make a difference, that they can start a company and it will correct maybe some of the systemic issues that we have or potentially, uh, you know, have an environmental impact. They feel like the effort that they're putting in uh, is going to, to yield a result, uh, but it is certainly not for the weak hearted. <laughs> um, you know, if, if you ever want to come face to face with your own feelings of unworthiness and, <laughs> and all of the hidden subconscious things that you've been running from your entire life, start a business. <laughs> um, I think it definitely feels like it's one of those where you go, it started off as a good idea. Um, <laughs> I think it's that side of like I can totally I totally see and I think probably because you kind of mentioned it through social media and kind of public media we're seeing more of those businesses start up we're hearing more of those stories but I guess the bit that we're not necessarily hearing yet is those startups and new companies growing from being one or two people to kind of a small team of people and then being responsible for kind of the well-being and the care of other people but also then the impact on yourself as well and I know kind of you've got some experience of, of starting companies and going through that process is but how have you found that journey yourself? Yeah I think it's gotten easier each time from a well-being standpoint um, you know I think I learned a lot about myself um, during the process of building and selling the first company. Uh, and I actually reunited with that same co-founding team for the second company um, that, that we built and being able to witness that journey from a group of people through multiple companies it was, was really informative in terms of just like how human beings work. Um, and there, I, I ended up needing to get support quite frankly at five years after the acquisition of our first company, I had stayed on with the organization that that purchased us, I was in full burnout. <laughs> I mean, full burnout. It was I'm a mother of three. We had relocated from uh, the US to to the UK. Um, and I didn't really 
almost felt like at this point, because we had achieved this unachievable thing in terms of bootstrapping this company and selling it in 18 months to a major global player, that like this myth had formed around me as a sales professional. And I didn't feel like I could live up to my own hype. And I was constantly mm. like chasing that, <laughs> that validation that like, oh, I'm as good as everybody expects me to be. And I just kept pushing harder and harder and harder. And I, and a lot of that I think was fueled with like trying to run away from like the busier I kept myself, the mm. less I had to think about those uncomfortable things like a lack of self-worth <laughs> and, um, you know, guilt over my relation, the impact on my relationship with my kids and with my husband and with my family back home. Uh, so, you know, I, I did end up um, working with therapists and coaches. And one of the things that was really helpful for me was acceptance and commitment therapy act. Uh, and I found it so powerful that I ended up getting certified in it so that I could pay it forward. And that really started my love affair with sort of this mashup of psychology training and psychotherapy training and my infield experience as a sales professional uh, and, and an entrepreneur. But uh, yeah, it, it took about 15 years to get to a place where I kind of like, I feel like I've got this. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's not to say that I don't have challenging days. Like I still get triggered. Um, you know, I still battle with uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. I am just more aware of what's likely to trigger those things and better equipped to respond to them when they, when they come up. That's really interesting to hear. Thank you for sharing that. I think, um, it's something we don't often talk about is the idea of kind of the like the business leader or the owner or the manager kind of experiencing some of those struggles and how that can impact them. Like I feel like often, probably just shared number of reasons, um, we're often talking about kind of how an employee or how a volunteer feels within those situations. It must be very difficult as the the person that is kind of there as the figurehead and the person that's there to kind of run the ship to to share a struggle or an experience um how did it feel at the time when you were experiencing some of those things in terms of the impact that that had yeah i think unfortunately um there's a a big attitude of stigma around leaders coming out and admitting that they're struggling with mental health or that they haven't in fact find a way to transcend the human experience. <laughs> um, so I think, I think a lot of leaders like myself end up doing a couple of things. You either shove it all down and you just pretend that it's not there. And then that presents itself with a whole host of particularly like physical ailments uh, or you numb through a lot of the behaviors that we see in big corporate cultures, alcohol, <laughs> um, being a, a big factor, I think, particularly within like sales and sales leadership, when you're starting mm. to feel that pressure. Um, so, and, and I think for me, I would project a lot as, as a leader. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to admit that I didn't want to appear weak in front of anyone. I didn't want people to think 
I didn't have it all under control. Um, and so I would, you know, place blame or potentially lash out in the early days. Um, and I really did have to start journaling in order to identify those patterns for myself so that I could, I could intervene. But I think the reality is leaders are just people, <laughs> people who've decided to take on some additional responsibility for one reason uh, or another. And the reality is as a business leader or a leader of any type, when you don't do your own inner work, that trickles down everywhere within mm. the organization. And oftentimes that is the root cause of all of the issues that we're trying to address within the like mass employee population, all the toxic culture and all of the overworking, like that's stemming from you and the example that you're setting because you haven't dealt with your own stuff yet. <laughs> and one of my, my favorite phrases, sort of catchphrases these days is like, people do what you do and not what you say. And so it's all well and good to set your, your values and your mission and your vision for the organization and, you know, express that you care about people's well-being. But if, you're, if your team sees you taking calls while you're on holiday, working 23 hours a day, then you're sending a very clear signal that that's what you value. And that's mm -hmm. what they're going to bring to work because that's what they feel they need to do in order to get ahead. So you've really got to watch it. It's so true. And I think it's, I think from a personal point of view, I, I see it as quite a historic or a traditional value set as well. Mm -hmm. Um where I think there's so much kind of unpicking of that, that if you've been kind of raised within that environment, even if you've not verbally heard that, like you were talking about there, where you like, this is my leader and this is how they act. So that must be how I should act. If you've kind of seen that in the workplace, it must be so hard to not even challenge that, but just to unpick it and recognize kind of the impact of that. If you are, someone that's now in leadership but also someone that's aspiring to become a leader if those are the yeah those are the examples you've seen for five to 50 years it's very hard to say okay that's not how actually we're going to do the things we say or we are going to implement kind of this new ethos of of well-being or um setting time aside I mean we're seeing now the, the amount of times I've seen news articles about four day working weeks, I'm still yet to speak to someone that has actually done it. <laughs> yeah. um, but that like those things are starting to come into the foreground a lot more. Um, and we're starting to hear more about them. I'm not convinced they are kind of mainstream yet, um, but it, it's, it's starting to get across. It's not about just having like, an away day once a year yeah it's about kind of the well-being and how we're looking after each other and ourselves every day um is that something you think of uh, like a, a a person aspiring to be a new leader now are they starting to see kind of different role models or different ways of implementing those those values i think you are starting to see that um particularly in the b corp community um 
And for the folks who maybe haven't heard of a B corporation before, B corporations uh, have to go through an assessment process every three years. And one of the things that, that they are assessed on uh, is, is their, the positive social impact on their workers across like compensation, well-being, you know, all the things like pretty much, are your people happy? Are you looking after them? Are you providing them with a good quality of life? Um, and when I first started my career over 15 years ago, like that was not a thing, like no one cared. It was just like, get in, can you achieve these targets? You know, you're your first generation university graduate and you're a woman. So just be grateful you've got the job chick, you know? So I, I do think that there's a, been a positive shift in that direction. And that's one of the things that, that gets me so excited about doing the work that I'm looking to do through the Humane Startup Project is, as you rightfully mentioned, there are so many more new companies that are being set up. I mean, millions of new startups per year uh, across the globe. And each one of these leaders has the chance to do business in whatever way they feel like doing it. Like, you don't have to follow hmm. the template that was given to you anymore. And I think there's so much more respect uh, in the business community for that. And you're starting to see a very real uh, impact economy emerge, a new market economy uh, emerge. And so I'm just trying to make sure that I'm there with all of my tools and my toolkit to support these leaders so that they can go have huge workforces that they treat really, really well, you know, from, from a genuine place. But it's perilous for them um, because there are a lot of influences in the startup ecosystem that would like for things to just run the way that they always mm. have, particularly like venture capital firms, investors, things along those lines that are still kind of pushing that, you know, profit first mentality. And that tends to be in direct conflict, um, you know, with, with the social impact initiatives. So these leaders have really got to be very clear uh, on their core values and then make decisions that are aligned with those values under really extreme circumstances in a lot of cases so it takes training mental training for sure i think that it does feel like there's more uh more diversity and, and more recognition of that within kind of leadership roles and you mentioned they're kind of um in a i guess let's be kind if we're kind to it we say a traditional value where it's just predominantly male leaders yeah. um and i think those where we're seeing those voices change now um does that have some sort of an impact here in terms of just having a more diverse leadership group that they're not all the same person essentially it adds a voice it adds different representation you can get that there are definitely female leaders that will have the same mindset as those males but there's also a lot of other voices in there as well um has that had an impact on kind of where we are today Yes, I think it has. I think we still have a very long way to go uh, in terms of, you know, leadership being truly diverse and inclusive across the, the board, but things are slowly shifting uh, in, in the right direction. And I think one of the other things, uh, I mean, I'm always very mindful of, you know, not wanting to vilify any, any party. I do also think that, you know, white male leaders are feeling safer to have an alternative opinion and to mm. be more supportive uh, of, of their counterparts who don't look exactly like them. Um, so I think that's, I think that is helpful as well. 
and, and long may that, that shift continue. And hopefully, I think we have seen some acceleration on the back of the pandemic. I think it needs to accelerate a heck of a lot more. Um, but I think, you know, as an individual, you can only ever go as high as you're willing to go deep. And, and so I think until we focus more on how we can become the best version of ourselves, and then just lead with that example in all situations, whether that, you know, you're the CEO of the company, the top revenue producer, or you're responsible for building the product, like, until we show up having done the work, and then that's what we give to other people, we're always going to have a long way to go. <laughs> For, for sure I think it's really interesting to hear that I think um that example of kind of the different roles within within the company in the workplace as well is is really relevant to um I think over the last probably months now but I'll say weeks um I've had like, like these odd little conversations where they've involved reference to kind of leadership and uh most of the time when we're talking about leadership we are in a coded way talking about like senior managers and CEOs and, and people in that sort of a role. Um, but I think it's really important. I, personally, I think it's really important that we maybe decode that sometimes because it implies that leadership is only by these people in senior positions when actually you've got people that are, are apprentices, are in in new positions are maybe just transitioning from being a volunteer to an officer or a coordinator or a cleaner or whoever and that but they're all able to show demonstrate and model leadership but because of the way that we kind of use that language I think it sort of implies one thing and it's a personal thing which means it's not I haven't quite planned out in my head <laughs> where that goes but um how does that resonate with you as a kind of random voice? No, I, I think it's I think it's a beautiful tangent to follow. I, I think this is something that we definitely need to pay a lot more attention to because there is a very real difference between a leader and a manager. There is a very real difference between a leader and an executive. And you don't need any title, any one title in order to lead. And oftentimes some of the most influential voices come from in the field, the people who are actually working with whatever group of either their customers or <laughs> if it's communities that you're looking to serve, you know, the people who are frontline and dealing with the problems that that the that organization is trying to, to solve every day and, and not from the executive team. And so I do think it's important that everyone cultivates leadership skills because you never know when your voice is going to be needed the most uh in in service of of the greatest good so no i think it's a really a really good point to to reflect on and i think it's one for people to go away and, and kind of consider as well as to what they deem leadership to be and kind of how that how they see that every day yeah. um because i think it will be it will be different for everybody we've mentioned a few times um humane startup and kind of use that in some of the examples but it'd be interesting just to hear from you kind of how the journey to, to to this project started for you yeah and I really it was born out of my my own personal experience and seeing the challenges that my very dear friends experienced my co-founders uh, experienced as they navigated their own entrepreneurship journey and I think it's always you know 
I've always been in a revenue driving, high stress, high performance position, whether I was working for a large company or I was, you know, out on my own. And it does have a real, a very real impact on your mental health. And I think one that is all too willing, that large organizations are all too willing to exploit. I think you can spot a workaholic or a potential workaholic from a mile away. Um, and there's just become a real hustle culture that has needed overhauling. And I, as I think I, I mentioned before, it sparked an interest in psychology for me. And I really wanted to find a way to take the tools that I had picked up as I recovered from my own workaholism and my own burnout and merge that with my experience as a business leader and as a founder and heal the way we work. Just flip this scene from the top down, starting with leaders so that they build companies with a very different, far healthier mentality and perspective mm -hmm. that we have more positive impact examples to reference and to look up to as we think about what our own a career can look like, what our own work life uh, can look like. Uh, and that, you know, day to day, there's a very real impact on, on humanity. I mean, you, we work, mm -hmm. that's what we do. That's the system that we have <laughs> right now. And what's stopping that from being an enjoyable experience? And it's the same human hangups that are preventing other life experiences from, from being enjoyable. And so um, I, I started the Humane Startup Project uh, late last year after my third uh, you know, startup endeavor um, and kind of seeing old patterns repeat themselves, um, albeit I was on the outside witnessing uh, that, that this time and, and finally feeling ready to enter the arena uh, and, and do something about it. And we're on the verge of launching our startup therapy app. We're targeting the launch of that uh, in October. And the first uh, course will be made available free. It will be a seven day challenge. Um, and it is primarily designed for startup leaders uh, and sales professionals. But really what we work through is applicable to anyone who wants to get clear on their core values and cultivate a sen sense of inner peace and make decisions more easily with less guilt. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so it's, it's founded uh, on the principles of acceptance and commitment therapy and the exercises are all universal. It's just that the reference stories are really drawn from, from that, that uh, entrepreneurial and startup experience, but really looking forward to, to making that available. Uh, and wanted to, to bring that out uh, complimentary so that we can try to have as much of a scaled impact as possible it's, straight from the start. It sounds amazing. <laughs> it's, I think having that, that support for people as well, like um, just seeing, as we said earlier, kind of for the kind of the growth of the number of people coming into this um, this field as kind of owners, founders, CEOs, I think is really, really important. And that particular approach of kind of looking at the the well-being and the almost like the mentoring kind of of, of, of those people, I think is really important. Yeah, and a real sense of community. That was the one of the other things that was was really important for for me in terms of building that into the app is a is a community that goes along with 
with um, an annual members or a monthly membership, which as of right now is completely free. Just sign up. Um, and, and just ensuring that we're connecting people because again, whether you're part of the co-founding team or you just decide to join a startup organization in any capacity, it's, it is different. Mm. It's different than going to work for a large company where you have a huge infrastructure and things are proven and they're tried and tested. Working for a startup, particularly a mission-based startup, it's a lot of change. It's a lot of pivoting. It's a lot of emotional weight that you carry as you try to do the best job that you can do in service of this mission that you feel can, can support making a real difference in the world and not losing yourself mm. in that process. And I think unless you've been in that environment before, it, it can be hard to relate uh, to, to other folks who have, you know, all their training and all their security and, their <laughs> and their standard paychecks coming through. Uh, so I, I really did want to, to build a therapeutic environment and community for folks to come together, to share stories, to feel supported, um, uh, and to, to be able to get out into the world what they needed to get out in order to feel good as they take on tackling some of the biggest mm. problems in the world whether they're a founder or not for sure i think that idea of community is a really interesting one as well i think the in my head there's there's that opportunity for kind of loneliness or solo working that i think we've probably seen common amongst a lot of people over the last couple of years but particularly as you say if you're coming into a new field or a new type of role um and so many people I think anecdotally it feels like the the kind of the passion causes that you were mentioning feel like that is increasing as well I'm aware maybe that's just the, the circles I find myself in but I think it's it's such a personal thing that you're investing and if you are starting to feel kind of stressed or worried and very quickly kind of lonely and isolated it's kind of what sort of support or, or guiding kind of mentorship are you are you having around you even if it's not specifically within your workplace kind of what is your your network providing you with and I think that kind of feels like that's the sort of space that you're operating in yeah absolutely and and it was because I I experienced a gap there you know as I did this three times outside of my co-founding team which were right in the trenches with me suffering from all these things that I was <laughs> suffering from I didn't really have anybody to to turn to to have a candid conversation with. And there are just different stressors. A lot of times when you're coming into a startup environment, uh, you may be taking a big pay cut mm. in order to do it because you believe in, in the mission and that can create stressors at home. And you know, how do you have that conversation with your partner? How do you, you know, ensure that or cope with the, the guilt that comes along with feeling like your decision to chase your dream is now having an impact on the lifestyles of people that you care about a lot. And so that there are a lot of things that, that come up during that process, not to mention no two days are the mm. same when you're working for a startup, you're, you're trying to, to build something and that's constant change, uh, which is unsettling for people for even the most psychologically flexible <laughs> of us out there. Um, and, and there aren't many folks who can relate to, to that either. And so, you know, having experienced that myself, I just really wanted to, to plug that gap and bring people together and then equip them with, you know, 
powerful tools to make an impact on, on their well-being right away. No, it sounds amazing. I think um, it, it makes a big difference, I think, to people that are coming into that field as they start to look to create that sort of support network around them. Um, I'm wondering kind of if you're able to share, like what are some of the things that have really helped you as you, like you say, you've gone through this process of starting up um, businesses and companies a few time and now you're in the situation where you're trying to support other people that are doing that as well are there certain things that you're kind of looking out for that kind of help and, and keep you well yeah absolutely I think the first gift that I gave myself um, as I as I grew as a person was getting really clear on my core values and doing that in a brutally honest way that was probably the most challenging growth process that I've gone through, um, narrowing that down to three core values and addressing the discomfort that comes up when you have to admit to yourself that like things you feel like should be important to you maybe aren't mm -hmm. that much, right? Like what are my genuine core <laughs> values? Um, and then, you know, starting to take action to put healthy boundaries in place that empowered me to take action that was aligned to those values. So you know, in life, we're presented with a million choices, constant choices, and you can either make what we call like away moves or toward moves, and everything centers on those values. And so without that, you're kind of flying blind. And I flew blind for 15 years and discovered that that was a huge source of internal conflict for me because I was making away moves rather frequently um, because I was doing things that I thought I should be doing or I felt influenced to do, not because it really aligned with what I believed uh, to be true. And I think that is one of the greatest gifts that you, that you can give yourself. Um, but my word of caution with that is don't sell yourself short by shooting your values. <laughs> Pick the ones that genuinely are, even if it makes you a little bit uncomfortable to have to deal with chucking some values off your list. <laughs> That's when you know it's really important. It, it, it puts you in that difficult situation. Is this really something, if I was in a hard situation, is this something I'm going to stick with or is this something I'm prepared to negotiate on? And if you're prepared to negotiate, then it's probably not like a really core value for you. Yeah, absolutely. And it is hard. Like I, you know, one of the values I chucked off my list was kindness. And it's not that I don't value that at all, but if I have to pick between being kind or courageous, courageous is going to win out in, in that situation. Um, you know, so I, it's, it's, it can bring up some stuff. Yeah, sure. um, and, and I, and I definitely got support, uh, as I navigated through that process. Um, so I worked with coaches and therapists, you know, throughout, uh, that, that process, because it can be really easy to walk away from the discomfort mm -hmm. when you try to go it alone. Um, but that, that, that's a gift that you can give yourself that will have a positive impact on, on all areas of your life and, and really make decision-making a heck of a lot easier for you. No, for sure. Thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing everything that you have as part of our conversation. I think there's so much in there that um, people can kind of think about and resonate with, but also maybe learn from if, if it's not a field they're particularly looking into. I think having some of those insights is, is hugely valuable. And also if they are, hopefully they can go and have a look at the Humane Startup and some of the other work that you're doing as well. Um, if people did want to find out a bit more about 
the work you're doing, getting involved with some of the thing. I know you mentioned earlier, kind of the the app launching later this year as well. What are the different ways that people can kind of get involved or, or find out about some of the things that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can feel free to visit our website, www.humanestartup.com. At any time, you can sign up to our newsletter there and be the first to be notified once the app is officially live and downloadable. I'm very excited for that. Uh, we do also have a podcast that will be launching uh, in October in conjunction with the Startup Therapy app as well. And you can give us the Humane Startup a follow on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all your favorite social channels. <laughs> awesome thank you yeah we'll definitely include links in the podcast notes as well so people can go and find that um that works a lot more i, I know from my end as a listener to things i'm like i'm never writing stuff down <laughs> like it's got to be in there somewhere for me to click <laughs> <laughs> i am guilty as charged <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh dear thank you so much ashley for coming on for for sharing your lived experience your expertise around the things that you've been doing it's really interesting to hear and really nice to have things that are coming up in the future as well to to share with people um yeah thank you so much for coming on and, and, and sharing thank you so much for having me it's been my absolute pleasure These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate it. Yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. Sometimes you need somebody to just give you permission. And I think people realize how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. People just want to know that this, they just want to know that they're safe to talk and share these things. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. <laughs>